Welcome everyone, we are about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, Shalom Bayesh, Shir number 167. Today we're going to discuss a few more very important topics in a marriage. And um, the one we're going to discuss now is to be the one to change first. If you feel like the done-in partner, like the quote-unquote victim partner, the one that feels hurt, the one that feels that they take on the most of the burden of the work in the marriage. So it's natural for that person in the marriage to want to react in kind. In other words, they say to themselves or they say to their husband or wife, you know, why should I tell him or her how much I appreciate him when he doesn't appreciate me, when she doesn't appreciate me? So the question is, why should you be the one to change? You're going to say, logically, it's not fear. It's not fear for one person to do all the emotional work in the marriage, or even more than 50% of the marriage. And in logic, there is a, you know, it makes sense, that type of argument. But there are many, many reasons why it's important that you make the change, you the one I'm talking to here, whether you do most of the work of the marriage or not. And here's the reason. Number one, you are the only person that you can change ultimately. We'll talk later of how your behavior could influence in a positive way people around you to behave differently. But on ultimate changes, you are the only person that can change. And also, another reason why it makes sense for you to do the work and to change is because you'll be the, on more solid ground as a person whether your marriage improves or doesn't improve. And we'll talk later of how when you change, your marriage will, generally speaking, ultimately improve greatly. But even in the chance that it does not, you will become a more solid person, strong person, a well-developed, healthy person, if you keep your behavior in line with your core values about how you want to navigate the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and between your husband or wife. So, in other words, I want to be the person who balances my automatical critical response with a more positive one. And you'll be on much more positive, solid ground if you behave that way towards your values, as opposed to if you behave only in reaction on how your partner, your husband or wife, treats you. Another reason why you are the person that needs to make those changes is that if you don't, if you don't change your part in a stuck pattern where there's just you're going in circles, then no change will occur. See, change comes from the bottom up, from the person who is in the most pain or in the least power or who feels lost. And it's usually the dissatisfied partner who usually is motivated to change. So by you taking that action, it'll motivate and it'll break a cycle. So in general, the aside is, it may not sound logically fair, but it's ultimately better, not just for the other person, but for yourself, that if you want a recipe for relationship failure, then just wait for the other person to change. If you want a recipe for success in relationships and to build yourself up, then you're the one 
whatever changes you could make in a positive way, you could make. Then we're going to talk about here about the importance of being careful when you criticize, you have to dial it down, you have to talk in a very subtle, positive way. We'll talk later about when you use the word I versus you. Um, And uh, here's an example of how uh, uh, you switch from a you to an I and it diffuses a situation and it makes the situation a lot better. So here is an analogy that I want to bring up. So the analogy is like this. Someone, a woman writes, my husband, Ken, and I were recently driving home from a party. Our kids were asleep in the back seat. It was raining fairly heavily, and I felt that Ken was driving too fast given the weather. You're speeding, I said. I'm going under the speed limit, he responded. You're driving recklessly for this weather and with, the, with your kids in the back seat, I exclaimed. This made Ken really angry. You're accusing me of endangering our children? I've never been in an accident, and I'm going under the speed limit. So what she did now is she shifted gears, and she said the following. What I really mean is just that I'm uncomfortable driving at this speed, rightly or wrongly. Would you please slow down even if I'm overreacting? Of course, Ken said, and slow down without further argument. So you see from this analogy, and this is really a very common thing, that when you switch something to an I statement, like in this case where the woman gave her husband the space to slow down without feeling that he was admitting to being a reckless father or a reckless driver, and Alice, who is the wife's name, would admit he's not reckless, he's not a reckless father, he's not a reckless driver. He was under the speed limit. So she shifted her gears, and instead of saying, you are this, you are that, she says, I, I am uncomfortable at this speed, whether I'm right or wrong, and even if I'm overreacting, I'm asking you to please slow down a little more. And then he was macabre, he accepted that. There was no reason to be defensive about it. So that is a very um, important way of shifting the way you talk in using the word I instead of you in, in positive ways. Another important aside, important foundation, is never criticize what they use in the expression is criticize below the belt. People use those tactics, really underhanded, mean tactics, when you're angry. For example, you said you clean up the kitchen and I need you to do it. Or when you do something, I can never count on you to follow through. Sometimes you actually label somebody. I can't believe how insensitive you are. Or sometimes you throw in a psychological diagnosis too. You know, you have a narcissistic personality. You have ADD. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're emotionally uh, a child. And these type of words that I used. Or you bring in another party or two to bolster your case. You know, my therapist thinks you're passive aggressive. My sister agrees you're passive aggressive. Um, you know, or, or uh, even, you know, your friends admit that you're nuts. Things like that. Or you may throw in an interpretation. You know, you may think I'm your mother, but I'm not here to serve you like she did. 
or to remind him, you know, you need therapy, or, you know, basically being condescending or mocking or preaching or blaming tone. And then you wonder why your partner, your husband or wife, that's being spoken to this way, doesn't appreciate your feedback. You know, you're only trying to help, you say. And the truth is, is that's the opposite of constructive criticism. Because constructive criticism asks for specific behavior adjustments that honors your husband or wife's capacity to change. It focuses on actions, not on character judgments. And people can say very difficult things if they calmly present the facts without an edge in their voice and sometimes, um, you know, using a sense of humor and things like that. So, for example, here's an example of what a constructive complaint may look like. You calmly ask your husband not to leave his things flung over the house, not because he's a big slob, although it may be so. <laughs> he may be a slob, but that's not why you tell him he should put his flings, his, his things that are flung around the house in order, but because neatness is important to you. So you own the problem, meaning, you, you again, I'm not just comfortable when you leave your, I'm just not comfortable when you leave your briefcase and coat in the living room couch. And appreciate that there are other women in the world who would be happy living with someone who didn't pick up after themselves. Um, and when you, you know, you, you use words like that, can we make a rule about the briefcase and the coats where they're kept? You know, use different styles, figure out different ways. You praise him for the moves that he moves in the right direction or she moves in the right direction. And it's very important to do so. And um, you work around that. And John Gottman, who studied thousands and thousands of married couples, concluded that criticism of the non-constructive kind is one of the four things that really destroys a marriage. And basically, you know, like what's wrong with you type of thing. It's very important to avoid those type of things. Another thing when you have specific complaints about things, and even when it's constructive to talk about it, you have to be as accurate as possible without exaggeration. Because anyone who's criticized inaccurately, they'll hear an exaggeration, they'll hear inaccuracies, and they won't be able to hear the valid point you're making. So don't overstate the point. A key to this is never to say, I always or I never do something. You always do this. You never do that. So, for example... If your husband comes home late from work, he came home late six times last month, don't, don't exaggerate the number. People that are on the receiving end of criticism shut down if they catch an error or they believe that they're, you're, that they're holding you responsible and that you're shifting away responsibility from yourself, from your own share of the problem. And... This Harriet Lerner, who I'm getting some of this information from, she recalls a lot of stupid fights that she had with her husband 
that she refused to apologize for because he was blaming me for 75% of the problem. And I was convinced that I'm only maybe, uh, you know, 52% of the problem. (laughs) In other words, the exaggeration part of it. The more even when you, there is a need to communicate about things that are bothering one of the other, you use the right tone of voice. You don't make generalizations. You don't do it out of anger or out of being overly critical. And you aim for accuracy. You know, never exaggerate. Don't say you never do this. Don't say you always do this. Don't say it's totally your fault when you know that it's not so simple as that. And that is very good and very helpful at diffusing um, real unnecessary shalom bias problems, real unnecessary marriage issues when you don't talk properly. And that is a very important uh, concept. So to go back, to review what we talked about in this shear, number one, very important for you to make the change. Whether you feel, you know, you're doing most of the work, not most of the work, whether it's logically fair or not fair, because it's a win-win situation. That would would be a win-win situation even if your spouse, your husband or wife, does not improve. But usually, over time, you make the change, you'll break a negative cycle, and the marriage will get better. But in the worst-case scenario where that it doesn't, you develop into a healthier, stronger, confident, calmer, and happier person as a result. And number two is that even when criticized, you know, to, to be critical, to be very careful with it, to change the you statement to an I statement, like the example we gave about the speed limit, and also to when you criticize, don't do it below the belt in a mean way, with generalizations, with labeling, with diagnoses and interpretations, or like we just said, over-exaggerating. And um, to learn how to communicate in a calm, kind way, even when you're trying to work through issues, that can promote a tremendous amount of love and respect for one another. Have a wonderful day.